It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Anxious, stressed, struggling to focus, and that was before the season had even resumed. Bring new calm to your day with Grass & Co. CBD. Grass & Co. is a premium CBD range that blends the highest quality CBD with therapeutic botanical ingredients. I've tried them, and personally, they're brilliant. The great tasting CBD and botanical formulations have been specifically created to relax your mind and soothe your body. Start low and go slow. The best-selling 500mg Calm CBD oil is ideal if you're new to CBD. As with all supplements, CBD will affect everyone differently. We recommend that you steadily build your dosage every day so you find the balance that works best with your body. Grass and Co are the CBD wellness experts and are committed to delivering the very best products to their customers. Simply use the discount code SPURS at checkout to claim your 25% off the entire Calm, Ease and Rest CBD ranges. Find your Calm 25% off and free shipping at www.grassandco.com forward slash SPURS www.grassandco.com forward slash spurs find your calm 25% off and free shipping grass and co life enhanced by nature today the world looks pretty different but already new problems are being met with new thinking researchers are using supercomputers to help discover treatments retailers are turning to the cloud to restock shelves more quickly teachers are using technology to rethink the classroom it's not all we can do but it's a start. IBM, let's put smart to work. See how we're helping at ibm.com slash COVID-19 slash UK. On by Shaw. That'll work out favourably here for Bergvine. Who's racing into the area. Bergvine all the way. What a brilliant goal. Stephen Bergvine. He did it against Manchester City. And now he's done it against Manchester United. That was all of his own making. And the Dutchman gets Tottenham Hotspur's first goal after the restart. Look how good this is from Bergwijn. Pulls away from Maguire like he isn't there. That change of pace was electric. 
Hello and welcome to the last word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping safe and well. We are back to review the game against Manchester United and to preview a huge game for Tottenham Hotspur against West Ham. Now, despite two defeats for Arsenal in the space of a couple of days, it's not going to stop us having to debate Tottenham for the next hour and 15 minutes or so. Lots to talk about on the back of that game against United. So I'm delighted to have back alongside me, I've got Jamie from the Daily Hotspur. Jay, how are you? I really need kind of another three months break after that first um, that first game back. You know, the, the stress was just, you know, I, I really haven't missed that. But yeah, going to be very interesting to kind of review the game. So yeah, looking forward to it. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Joe, after 47 minutes onwards, I wanted to go back into lockdown after that display. But <laughs> yeah. I know we've got a lot to come, lots of different views. And of course, loads of your listener questions. You've been very kind sending in a whole host of questions. Back on this show, one of our favourite regulars, delighted to have... As you know, one of our favourite hosts we ever had. Mr. Aaron Paul is back with us. He went through the process of Jose Mourinho. He survived it. He's here to tell the story. And he's here to tell us what's going to happen. Aaron, how are you? Ricky, Ricky, considering I know what's coming for you, you're surprisingly chirpy, mate. Well, I've yeah, got, I've got to try and keep positive, as to be honest. Uh, I wouldn't be that chirpy if I was you, mate. I'd save it for the emotion for, for a little bit later on. But yeah, good thanks. Back, um, well, football's back, so, so I'm happy. You know, I'm, I'm I'm back sort of doing what I love and yeah, it's all right. It's ticking over, you know, but um, ready to sort of sit my teeth into into this one. To be fair, as you know, it's only one game, so I've got to be chirpy at the moment. Give it a couple of weeks and I will be back to kind of that normal <laughs> self-doubting, uh, over-hoping that we can somehow get through this period. But we're also delighted to welcome back on this show one of our favourite guests, we've got the wonderful Abby Summers, who's been really busy during lockdown, speaking to some wonderful Spurs legends. Abby, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me back. Pleasure as always. You are definitely far chirpier than me, but we will try, we will try and keep spirits up after just the one game so it's far. It's crazy, isn't it? After the space of just 94 minutes and we already feel like we've been back for months. I mean, it's just, that's what Tottenham do to you, really. I mean, I think we were all hoping they might null and void the season, but... <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes you're not that lucky. So we go, we go again. Even with the majority of players back, we still wanted to null and void the season. I mean, that is the sense of being a Tottenham fan at the moment, what it does here. Abs, I'm going to start actually with you. Looking back at that game as a snapshot, you know, it's kind of typical Tottenham where we shoot ourselves in the foot with yet another individual error coming towards the end of that game to really cost us a, a priceless victory. I mean, it's impossible, I think, to simply sit back on a 1-0 lead from kind of 47, 48 minutes and expect that is going to be enough and not offer anything else in attack. Is that too simplistic to say that kind of statement? I mean, I completely agree with you. I mean, we've never, ever been a team that can rest on a on a laurel, on a 1-0 a one, a one lead. It just doesn't happen for Tottenham. And especially at the minute. I mean, I actually think that Sanchez and Dyer were OK. Um, I think Sanchez made one mistake in the first half. And apart from the penalty, I thought Dyer was actually quite sound. But we're not a team that can do that. And we've got so many attacking options. And we all know that obviously Kane was miles off the pace on Friday. Um, but for me, I think that the more we try and go defensive, the less it will benefit us. We're not a team that is doing that particularly well and haven't done that well for a good year and a half. So it doesn't really play into Jose's hands with that whole defensive mindset. But Friday, I thought that we had spells where we were good. I thought the first half we were actually OK. Um 
but we look tired. We look really leggy, you know, pretty early on in that second half. And for me, I found it really strange. We didn't make substitutions again, which I felt which were too late to be done. I don't necessarily think we made enough substitutions, given the fact that you were then allowed five. Um, and also, I just feel like, although he did have an all right game and it was an individual error that cost us, for me, it was obviously a soft penalty. I think everyone can can also agree on that. But I think it... I think he could have read the situation better. He was going absolutely nowhere. And you knew that the second there was any type of contact, he was going to go down. So uh, whether or not it's it's a smarter defender you need or someone wants more experience, maybe Toby would have done the same thing. Maybe Jan would have done the same thing. But I didn't see any danger at that point for him to then make any minimal contact to give him the opportunity to go down and make that error. Because there's just been so many this season. It's cost us time and time again. I honestly struggled to see any type of improvement since Poch left to Jose coming in. Obviously, we have picked up points along the way, but a lot of them have been down to pure luck, if I'm, if I'm honest, rather than any actual real quality. I can't really think of too many games where we've played actual good football and I've left thinking, wow, that was really good. Or I've really enjoyed that game. So or we've just, we've, yeah. we've just scraped it. Yeah. Now, I think you can definitely count on one hand, and that's possible at the moment, the good performances Tottenham had this season. If you look at Jose Mourinho, you'd maybe argue the game against Burnley where we blew them away. But even in that game, I remember Burnley hitting the post, I think, either one or two nil up. That was quite an unsettling period, mm-hmm. but then we did kick on in that game. I mean, it is at the moment, to be fair, a split fan base. Definitely, I would say it's a split fan base in terms of the way... Mourinho's style and setup is. Some are happy that they can see a plan coming together. Others, I think, again, they're just not quite sure that this Tottenham team, the makeup of it, is good enough to be able just to sit back and defend a 1 0 lead and are happy to watch that style of football. I mean, Jay, I want to bring you in because I'm going to speak to Aaron in a second. Now, obviously, Aaron has gone through the process of having Jose Mourinho as his manager. He's a Man United fan, and we've made no secret of that. Aaron obviously was a massive massive part of our love sports shows and obviously he hosted them for us i'm going to bring aaron in a second but jay to come into you many will feel in that game that we actually had a plan we kept our shape because the players knew what they were supposed to do and what their teammates should be doing we moved the ball well at times there was tactical fouling which is the makeup of Mourinho team lots to do as we know and it could have done with the class of a pogba or a fernandez in the midfield to really see this kind of Jose Mourinho template working. Jake, where do you sit? Because yeah. I know you are a person that, you know, you're willing to give Mourinho the time. You do see a lot of positives in that performance. Tell us what you made of that. I do agree. I think that for me, I t- you know, obviously in context of the season, the draw was not the result we needed. But look, I feel as though we went into the game with a clear game, a game plan and it nearly paid off after 80 minutes. I think the problem was... Uh, there were different factors. I think, as you said, there was an individual error which cost us big time. You know, maybe the substitution, having those fresh legs of, of Paul Pogba coming up against uh, a fatiguing Eric Dyer, and that really cost us. I think as well, um, you know, we, we just didn't have quite have the, the the options to go and freshen an attack, and that was the frustrating thing. But for me, I, I actually disagree. That we that the plan was to get the one 0 in, sit back on it. I actually think that there were positive signs from that game. That there is that of what Jose Mourinho wants to do at Spurs. You know, we know how he wants to play. As you said, you know, he's a, he, he likes his teams to play compact, to prostrate the opposition, and then of course, you know, on the transitions and going forwards and hitting teams on the counter. And you saw that. You know, there were flashes of that throughout the game. You know, there were flashes of Bergvine, Son, uh, Kane getting forward. Obviously, it was not as much as we wanted, 
But I really feel that over time, as the team gets more accustomed to playing the way that we did, uh, that we become more uh, become fitter. I really, really believe that we'll, we'll become a better we'll, we'll become a better side. I, I think there were encouragements. It was frustrating, and I totally understand. I totally get the frustrations because I think as well, you know, too many supporters are kind of dismissing the quality of Manchester United. I don't think Spurs wanted to sit back and defend as much as we did. The problem was is we came up against a side who are absolutely flying at the moment. You know, we've always, as we discussed, you know, with with Aaron previously. The way that Manchester United have, have kind of been revitalised under with Bruno Fernandes, you know, they look a completely different team, and you know, they're they're pretty much the second most informed side in the Premier League at the moment. So, it's really difficult. Um, we obviously did a lot more defending than we needed to do, but look, I said I really believe there were signs there that we were that that we, that we were changing. I think another thing that you know we weren't just looking to play the long ball as we did before the break. You know, we've now got the quality in there. I just think as though we were also missing kind of those substitutes. Um, that was something that's going to be so important over these next couple of games. It's all about fitness. We just didn't have those options to come off the bench to kind of refresh it. And I think after, you know, as the game went on, we did have to do more defending. And then, of course, Manchester United were able to come and freshen up. You know, they brought on Paul Pogba. They brought on Agarlo. You know, they had lots of options to come off the bench. Spurs just didn't have that. And of course, you know, we had to stick with Harry Kane up front. And of course, you know, he, a guy that hasn't played for six months and he really looked well off the pace and you, you, you just didn't really have that option. You wanted a Lucas Moura, a Deli Alli to come off the bench. So that was obviously frustrating for Jose Mourinho. But look, for me, I, I saw signs that Spurs are, are changing the way that we want to play. And for me, it's just about trusting the process um, and just hoping over time that it will get better. And I, I genuinely believe it will. Only person that we were missing who would have come off the bench the other night is Lucas. Who else would have come off the bench? I, 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 honestly, the game was cr- screaming out for a player like Lucas. Apart from Lucas, and we're missing one player. So you're saying you know, how many times lately has Delhi actually affected a game? I, it was it was beyond me the fact that you had the option of five substitutions. He brings on the Celso, rightly so. He brings on Jedson, fine. No one really knows what he does, in all honesty. I'm not judging him at the minute, but no one knows what he does. Yet you've got Ndombele sitting on the bench. He's £65 million. The guys raved about him for the last three weeks in the media. Okay, after slagging him off all season, yeah, he's still sitting on the bench. So for me, I don't get people that sit there and say, "Oh, it's not a game for Ndombele." You're telling me he can't, you know, he shouldn't have come on that pitch. You know, he had five substitutions to use. He used two. If Lacelso does not play, then I don't understand how Ndombele doesn't play because who's who's the creative force in that team? I get you got Son, I get you got Bergvine, I get you got Kane, but you need someone to kind of thread that. I have the needle ball through, and I thought this game was crying out for Batungi and Dembele. As I want to come back to you, but can I just read some of the listener questions? Just again, I want to try and get as many questions out as I can. And these are more statements. I'm going to try and read some of these out. And as please, like I say, I'm going to come back to you in a second. I want to get your thoughts on this. This is from Cos1882. He says, do we have the most negative, boring, old-fashioned manager in world football? The players must be absolutely hating the style of play they're made to play. We have a brilliant ability going forward, but are simply not allowed to show it. Mimic says, what offence are we playing? There are three forward, backward passes, one to the keeper, then boot it upfield, hoping for an opponent mistake. Spurs' game plan took Harry Kane completely out of the game. The break served no purpose. We need an offensive idea. This is a dated approach. Ben Taylor says, let's face it, if that ended 1-0... We'd all be praising Jose Mourinho, and I think he's spot on. But I honestly can't figure out why we didn't include Tungyun Dembele. Maybe we were missing Ali in that game, question mark. Is this why Kane was pretty much absent the whole game? 
Samuel says, why is Jose Mourinho incapable of coming up with tactics that actually work? Sick of this parking the bus at 1-0 stuff. Aaron, let's bring you in because obviously you've been through, as we discussed, the Jose Mourinho cycle from the outside, the approach to the game. What did you make of it? And how Spurs' setup was overall? First things first, when I saw that midfielder winks into Soka, I was just like, oh, geez, this is not going to be good. You know, I mean, if there is anywhere with a lack of creativity, that sort of is it. Um, and one thing I want to I I sort of like pick on is there's a very famous clip of Mourinho when he's at Chelsea before they play in Champions League time, where he sat there uh, sort of doing his tactics and all that day before a game. And he's turned around to his play, players and said... I'm not saying we have to win. I'm saying we we cannot lose. We cannot lose. And that is what Spurs went in to do on Friday night. They didn't want to lose. He didn't want to get beat. You could play a 0-0, a 1-1, a 2-2, a 3-3. He did not want to get beat. If you win, you know what? Brilliant. Great. You know, he, he would have loved it. But the fact that Spurs have gone in against one of possibly the worst Manchester United sides in Premier League history... And, and and only picked up 39% possession. That That's poor. United usually don't come out with more than sort of 40. I really need to interact there. I, I just think, do you not think that this has not been a massively improved Man United side? You're the second best no. side in the league on four. No. And, and also, the worst and, United squad in Premier League history. Really? Name the worst one. What, what, even with Martial, Rashford, uh, Bruno Martial Fernandes. Martial is a waste of space, pal. Don't, you can take him. Waste of space. <laughs> Salute shambles but player he's a luxury player you want at 4-0 last season when I watched him against PSG in the Champions League on that left hand side trudging up and down he didn't even trudge up and down he just sort of like you know like little jogs did a dad run you know you know when you see a dad like running in a car park <laughs> just like that little jog yeah he did that and then you just sit there and you think to yourself mate get someone who wants who, who actually wants to play for the club you look at that squad De Gea all run of form Wan-Bissaka great player Lindelof mate geezer's clueless clueless, positionally, completely and utterly inept. Maguire, poor, short, overweight. Do you see Mourinho after the game? Just going and tapping him on the stomach. Yeah, that's it's a little fine. McTominay, Fred, you know what? I'll give him that. James, poor kid has been hacked down so many times. It will ruin his career. You've got Bruno, you know, sort of controlling things. Rashford, don't really know what he offered on, 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 on Friday night. But Martial was poor. Then you bring in someone like Paul Pogba. And, and and Jay, you know what? I love you to bits, mate. But when you come in and chuck out, oh, Kane ain't played in six months. Paul Pogba's been missing for a year, pal. Not exactly. A year. Can I ask you guys, uh, from from, an, from a perspective, in, the, in terms of the team, you know, Spurs, as you know, we normally, you know, counter-attacking football at home pretty much admits that you're being able to or not being able to beat your visitors in a straight fight. I mean, it, it wasn't pretty. And again, it kind of feeds into that, n- that narrative of the negative anti-football that follows Mourinho around. Whatever club he's been at over the last kind of seven, eight years, he's picked up this kind of anti-football tag. And it's one of those things that he can't seem to shake off. And, you know, he made a big, big deal about his inability to use attacking players from the bench in those final 20 minutes to replace those who hadn't played in the final six months due to injury. However... He didn't really put all his attacking players on the pitch to start the game. He could have given himself options later in the match to negate the loss of Lucas Moore and Deli Alley, and he didn't do it. So, from an outside, as looking in, do you see at Spurs that they are looking at evolving? There is a way forward under Mourinho. Do you see a game plan, or do you think at the moment is it heading the same way it headed at Man United I, for you? I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing 
Daniel Levy doing the same thing as Ed Woodward did four years ago. Mm. Got rid of Louis van Gaal. Well, in fact, we weren't even thinking of getting rid of Louis van Gaal. We kind of were kind of like sort of on the fence. You know, as he said, he was sacked from January. But it was a case of he's available. He's won a couple of European Cups. He's won the Premier League. He's a serial winner. He is the special one. All that, you know, you know the hype. You get him and it's a disappointment. Spurs brought him in because he was available. No other mm-hmm. reason. No other reason. If Pep Guardiola was available, they would have gone and got him. Mm-hmm. If they could sort of bring him in. Now, let me tell you something. That squad you've got that you had and sort of, you know, those 20 players on Friday night. If you were playing under Poch, I would have shit myself, mate. I would have absolutely mm-hmm. been bricking it. Because I would have thought to myself, you know what, these lot are going to hit us. And you look at someone, again, you look at United's fullbacks. You know, Wan-Bissaka's been brilliant, but he was quite poor, actually, on, on, on positionally poor on Friday. You look at a Luke Shaw, you look at a Maguire, and you look at your Lindelof, and you think to yourself, mate, these lot are going to get eaten up. But, Again, it comes back to that style of anti-football, negative football, call it what you want. It's defensive football. And you know what? I remember watching clips when, when Mourinho started his second period at Chelsea and Big Sam and West Ham, I think they went to Chelsea and they beat him 1-0 or something like that. And he's criticising Big Sam for long balls, this, this, this. Big Sam's come out and gone, well, they played more long balls than us. You know, they did this more than us. They, they defended more than us. You know, I think it sort of got to his head. I, d- I don't really understand him anymore. He doesn't look like he has that fire anymore, that passion, that drive. It's a very, very strange time to be a Spurs fan. The only sort of saving grace you've got is Arsenal are a shit show right now. They are an embarrassment. <laughs> you know what? We, we were on our Millwall pod the other day. Actung Millwall, by the way, world-class podcast. And really, really... If you, if you like using the word see you next Tuesday, just tune into us. It's brilliant. <laughs> but, you know, Nick on the Actung Millwall podcast turned around and goes, you know Arsenal? I go, yeah, because... They're bland, aren't they? And I just go, yes. This is the word I've been looking for. Arsenal, you know, chicken with no seasoning. Just nothing. You want to play <laughs> stuck in a boiler. The, the, the thing is, though, as we, we can't laugh at them too much because we aren't great ourselves. No, I mean, that, that is the biggest absolutely. problem. Absolutely. No, Rick, you've got a squad. Yep. You've got players in there. Right. Sanchez is a quality player. Sissoko's playing well. Mm. Bergwijn's got, you know, talent. Sona's quality. Kane's quality. They've got nothing. They have got nothing. They've got to rip it up and start again. Yep. You lot are going to have to go through this process of when he does leave, because he will He will go. I, I, I can't see. He won't Next season, he won't complete a full season. I just can't see that happening. Oh, okay. Levy's got too much riding on. The Champions League money is too important for Daniel Levy. He has got some heavy-ass interest rates to pay on that stadium. It's a case of who next? Bloody hell. Who next? We're only back 90 minutes and we're already looking for the next manager. God. Well, listen, I'm going to bring it around to you, Abs. I mean, I think one of the things that was widely predicted among a lot of people in the game was that having taken a swipe at the five substitute rule and claiming that it was something pushed through by the more powerful clubs with their beautiful, bountiful bench options, that Mourinho would not use his five subs as a point of principle. And we actually saw that in the game. I think many of us were quite surprised by the lack of substitutions from Jose Mourinho. So it proved to be, although nobody expected him, to only introduce two players with fresh legs. What did you make of that, Abs, in terms of his use of substitutions during the game? I mean, I thought it was bizarre, firstly. Um, whether or not you think that you've got attacking options on the bench or not, I think you had, you had a, a bigger problem that was in midfield. Harry Kane, at some point, was so deep you know, it was impossible for him to even get out, get out of the half. He, he, him to even go 
further up the field because he was back so defensive. And I don't understand why, for example, I'll take, take it back against Ndombele. He's sitting on the bench when even just fresh legs could have helped. And people sitting there saying, oh, well, he doesn't run. Well, he does run because if you, if you need him to run, he should bloody run. That's my view on it. And then, you know, you've got other people on the bench that could have come on. No, not necessarily affected it because the people you had on, attacking-wise, were, were, were good when, when we broke. It was just the fact we couldn't get out of the half. And I couldn't understand when we were so under it. We were still sitting there at 70 minutes, just inviting the pressure on and on and on. And I think Baron touched on it earlier. You know, to have 39% possession at home. That's not what Tottenham do. That's not what Tottenham are about. We never, ever have been a team that sets up defensively necessarily, especially not at home. We like the creative, the attacking football, anything like that. So having a manager that automatically, like, like Aaron said, sets up the game with, well, as long as you don't lose, that's the only thing that's important. You're not really going to win the game if you're just setting up with the hope that you're not going to lose. And the record of seven, seven, seven games, no wins, really doesn't tell you that what's going on is working, regardless of the fact that we've had a three-month break in between. It wasn't working before the break, and it's not really working after. And I think you touched on it when we were talking before we started um, recording, that I think it's maybe one or two games more, and he'll have to, if, if we lose again, or if we lose to West Ham, he'll have the same ratio as one day Ramos. So that just tells you all you need to know. And I think, as Aaron said earlier, about the fact that he can't see him being there, at the end of next season, neither neither have I. I believe he took that job, and I believe that Daniel Levy saw an opportunity. He was going to get rid of Poch regardless. He was never going to back him anymore. So he saw the opportunity. Jose was available. He thought, "Oh, this will work for me because surely, you know, you bring in a name like that, you know, his his resume speaks for itself." Jose is realistically his last big chance at a Premier League big club at that top table. So for him, it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take a whack at it. They haven't won anything. So realistically, I don't win them anything. Haven't really lost anything because no manager before that bar Ramos, funnily enough, has done that in the last, you know, 15, 20 years or so. So for him, it worked for him. For Daniel, he's taken a punt on it thinking, well, it's Mourinho, I'll have a go. But there's no transfer budget. He's already told you that it's free transfers and very minimal, if that. So that's not exactly setting you up for a good summer. That's the first move on the chessboard. There's no money in the pot. That's yeah, what happened at United on Maguire. That's what happened at United on Maguire, on Kula Bali, on any centre-half. And then Mourinho comes out six months later and Keys and Greg goes, I was, I was crying for a centre-half. It's a completely different project. I'm sorry, but you, Tottenham and Manchester United are completely different projects. Oh. Mourinho. Yeah, it's, an, it's a budget project. But Mourinho, how, how is he ever going to deal with a budget project when he's because, been at clubs like Man United, when he's had loads of money and he still and he, and he still couldn't make a good team there? I don't know. He, he would not have taken the job if he, if he, he would have known. He said before, he said he knew he wanted to know what the club wanted and how they were going to operate. He would not have taken that. He would have known when he took that job that he was not going to have much money to spend. He knows that he's got to adapt. And we've seen, you know, he's got a different coaching staff. There's a different way of operating this time. I think that, the, you know, it's slightly different, Jose Mourinho. He knows that this is not going to be the sort of uh, task that he had at Man United, Chelsea, where he's going to have huge money to spend. He knew that he'd already got a lot of very good players. We've established that. But there are areas in that squad he knows he needs to go and improve. He's already said, you know, just recently he said, you know, we've what there's. I only want two or three players. I want just a couple of players. He knows that that's not going to happen. He would not have taken that. Daniel Levy would not have sat down and said, "Look, you're going to have this amount of money." He would if he really thought that he was. He would not have taken the job. Uh, he, I think you've got way too much faith in Daniel Levy. I'll be honest. I think you are honestly singing off a I different say, sheet. I never said I did that. You've got, you got to know who your chairman is. Come on, you've got to know who your chairman just, is. 
I did, yeah, but I, I, I did. Actually, you're, you're saying, Jose's only saying, saying he only wants one or two players. Good luck getting those one or Mate, two players. Mate, Daniel Levy sleeps with a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, let me, let me ask you a question. And this is from at Gaz1882. And he says, do you think Mourinho can turn things around? Let's forget about what he did in the past and think about what he can do now in terms of turning this team into a winning team instead of the negative football we're having to watch at the moment, Jay, because what's the long term for Tottenham with the squad he's got? We've mentioned the fact there won't be a huge amount of money to spend whenever that transfer window opens. It's going to be a lot of having to wheel and deal, using key yeah. contacts, free transfers, you know, agents in the game that knows very well we yeah. can bring these players in. How do you think he transforms this Tottenham team into a side that is attractive to watch on the eye, if that's possible, and also... We have the willing element alongside that. How do you think he does that? Honestly, I think over time, you know, as this team become more accustomed to playing the way that Jose does, um, I think that when we get more, when we're fitter as well, I think we'll be more effective going forward. I just think that when Harry, when we had Harry Kane up front, it just completely limited us going forward. I really, you know, what one thing that I do agree with is the lack of substitutions. That was bizarre. In these last couple of games, it's all going to be about fitness. And keeping Harry Kane on the pitch was bizarre. You know, Aaron said about Paul Pogba. Paul Pogba came off the bench. Subs are even more effective now because they're coming on against players who are really fatigued because they haven't played for months. They're not fit, fully match fit. They're coming on fully fresh. So that's the difference between Paul Pogba uh, coming on and making the impact and Harry Kane. Harry Kane was just limited us. And that, that, for me, was the big thing. I didn't. One thing I didn't say is I didn't say... I never said anything about Daniel Levy going and chucking loads of money. I said that he would have told um, Jose Marina when he took the job, Jose Marina would have understood he's not going to have a lot of money to spend. And of course, he'll understand the situation right now. It's going to be even more limited. But I, I think that he'll want two or three, you know, it'll be two or three players. And I really believe that, you know, a lot, the likes of a Hoybier as a central midfielder coming in as holding midfielder, I think that would instantly come and improve us. You know, that's something that we need. And that's, of course, would potentially be a cheap deal. I don't think he's going to have a huge amount to spend, but I think if he can go and be clever and find the right players, you know, we've, we've seen, you know, um, targeting maybe the, you know, the lower league clubs that are going to need the money, the, you know, the likes of Norwich with Matt Tarrant potentially. Uh, and I just think we, you know, we just need a couple more. And, and just on the game as well, you know, Aaron also said, you know, about how United are weak. You look at Spurs defence, what was the one thing that everyone was saying on Twitter? You know, I'm saying, why on earth is Eric Dyer started? Oh my God, Ben Davis is at left back. So, Doria, absolute calamity, started at right back. You go head to head with that Man United side. And honestly, I couldn't disagree more about Man United. I think there's real quality up front. I think that Rashford's in great form. I disagree about Martial as well. I think that he's in good form and I think that he's a good player on his day. You know, there's Paul Pogba, Bruno Fernandes, for me, is one of the best players in the league at the moment. And that they've had all the quality going to head apart. Spurs have gone head to head with Man United. I think we would have got ripped apart. So. Jay, that that chance uh, Martial at the end, at the end when when he when he took too long on it, Igalo scores that, Greenwood scores that, Rashford scores that, Martial doesn't score that. He's too slow. It's like his brain is like sort of on a, on some form of a delay. You know, in terms of going back to the Harry Kane point as well that you made, that Harry Kane was knackered after sixty minutes, mate. Do you see the shuttle runs he was doing from United's box to to, to back to hold the midfield? He was a CDM, wasn't he? As at one point. He <laughs> Central defensive midfielder. Come on, yeah, come on. He's a quarterback. You know that that that's exactly what he was doing. That's why he was knackered, not because he'd been putting it about against Lindelof. Because let me tell you something, he won't get an easier chance than Lindelof and Maguire. You look at Roy Keane's comments 
at half time about Harry Maguire. I'm sorry, he's absolutely right. Harry Kane's been out for six months. I know all these players have been out for longer. It's his first competitive game back. If you honestly, you all think that Harry Kane was going to come back and be... Oh, no, no, no. Of course not. No one's saying that. No one's saying that. But he was so... He, was, he didn't need to necessarily be doing the job he was doing. There's yeah. people that could have done that job yeah, and no. he could have been doing the job that he is actually there to do, he, which is up front. I think the problem is... He, he was, it was a team. It's, that's the way Jose Mourinho sets up as a yeah, team. Yeah, but, you okay, but are, you, are you happy oh. with that? Are you happy as a Tottenham fan looking and that's the way that you want your team to be set I up? Think, as a Tottenham fan who has had attacking football for the last I, I, six years, yeah. beautiful think, football, think, you're happy with that? No, I think the thing is, it will become more effective over time. I think, as we've seen, Jose Mourinho's team work as a unit and Harry Kane came back and did his job. The problem is, we just didn't have, we kind of really got very leggy to let later on. You know, we saw points where we were making good strides forward, but unfortunately, as it got later on in the game, we needed to make those changes and we just didn't have the likes of Dele Alli. I know Ndombele would have come off the bench and I think that that would have been a, a good sub. But, you, you know, it was crying out for a guy like Lucas Moura to come off. When you've got Jedson, when you've got Jedson Fernandes coming off the bench, that says it all, really. I don't think you can necessarily judge Jedson. I don't think he's done enough anyway for you to see what kind of... I don't even know what his yeah. best position you, so is. You, you can't judge you think, him. Right, OK, but you're happy Jedson... No, I'm not happy. As I've said, I think so the Dombele should have been the first one to come on That's with the point. Celso. No, I'm not happy with the, his, his option coming off the bench to try and get forward, to freshen up his attack. But I didn't, I didn't understand Fernandes. what the point of that was. Not for me, I thought the problem was the fact that we were so incredibly deep. We needed someone to come in and help that midfield out. For me, Jensen was never going to do that. You if you want to bring him on, that's, oh, that's fine. Bring him on, but bring him on with Ndombele. Don't leave him on the bench sitting there. That wasn't the correct I, thing. Lacelso, yes. Jensen, yes. Ndombele, yes. The hope for Jensen was he would run at Luke Shaw. Luke Shaw, a couple of passes, he's gone. You know, you, you, the idea was, as a winger, to go up against the fullbacks, a couple of knackered fullbacks, and, and he didn't do it. Again, even Son, I've got to say, I thought he was anonymous on Friday. You know, I, I'd expected more from him. You know, the amount of times he's absolutely ripped us apart. Mm, maybe Nothing. it's the first game back. As I mean, I said, we, we all yeah. know in terms of how Spurs' setup was. I'm going to call a break. We've got to go for a break just to give Jamie a, a chance just to dust himself down. I think almost <laughs> dust ourselves down yeah, on that first half of that sparring <laughs> session because we haven't even really touched on the game yet. And that is to come in the second half. So do not go anywhere. We are back discussing Tottenham against Manchester United. This should be fun. We're back after this very, very short break. Anxious, stressed, struggling to focus, and that was before the season had even resumed. Bring new calm to your day with Grass & Co CBD. Grass & Co is a premium CBD range that blends the highest quality CBD with therapeutic botanical ingredients. I've tried them, and personally, they're brilliant. The great tasting CBD and botanical formulations have been specifically created to relax your mind and soothe your body. Start low and go slow. The best-selling 500mg Calm CBD oil is ideal if you're new to CBD. As with all supplements, CBD will affect everyone differently. We recommend that you steadily build your dosage every day so you find the balance that works best with your body. Grass & Co are the CBD wellness experts and are committed to delivering the very best products to their customers. Simply use the discount code SPURS at checkout to claim your 25% off the entire Calm, Ease and Rest CBD ranges. Find your Calm 25% off and free shipping at www.grassandco.com forward slash SPURS www.grassandco.com 
grassandco.com forward slash spurs. Find your calm, 25% off and free shipping. Grass and Co. Life enhanced by nature. Today, the world looks pretty different. But already new problems are being met with new thinking. Researchers are using supercomputers to help discover treatments. Retailers are turning to the cloud to restock shelves more quickly. Teachers are using technology to rethink the classroom. It's not all we can do, but it's a start. IBM. Let's put smart to work. See how we're helping at ibm.com COVID-19 UK. Today, the world looks pretty different. But already new problems are being met with new thinking. Researchers are using supercomputers to help discover treatments. Retailers are turning to the cloud to restock shelves more quickly. Teachers are using technology to rethink the classroom. It's not all we can do, but it's a start. IBM. Let's put smart to work. See how we're helping at ibm.com slash COVID-19 slash UK. Hello and welcome back to the second half of the last word on Spurs. I've just about broke it up, guys. We're still all here. We're still surviving. Jay, I want to come back round to you just to discuss Mourinho's team selection. I think it's fair to say when this broke, as usual on Twitter, there was quite a bit of a meltdown. I think it was a surprisement to some that obviously, of course, we knew there were doubts over Giovanni Lo Celso's fitness. And I think it was a token fact that because obviously Lo Celso wasn't fit and then we had so much, as Abby mentioned during yeah. the first half hour, that, you know, Undenbele, his application has been fantastic that... He never started for Tottenham. When you yeah. saw that team, Jay, I think another thing that was sticking out was the fact that Mourinho went with a centre-back pairing of Davinson Sanchez and Eric Dyer. Many would have probably favoured Toby Adeviro to play. What was your thoughts on that team selection, Jay? There were lots of players missing that maybe, you know, Alderweireld would should he have been in there. Um, and there were, you know, there were just different factors. But I think I've said, you know, on previous shows, I wasn't really expecting Spurs to go and put out the strongest lineup. I just feel as though it was it was down to who was going to be most ready to go. You know, as I said, you know, it's these last couple of games are all going to be about fit. You know, a large part of it will be about fitness. And I think he picked the team based on kind of who was most ready to go. So that's why I think there were surprises. But um, you know, it's really difficult because you you do look at that defence and there are huge question marks over some of them. So as I said, you know, it's always going to be difficult to kind of go and play really attractive attacking football um it was I just yeah for me the defense just really wasn't very you know wasn't wasn't good enough um but yeah as I said on the on the surprises I was quite surprised but I think it was kind of to be expected that there were going to be kind of some changes to that team just based on as I said who was ready to go the most now abs coming round to you obviously we were so thrilled and excited to see that finish from Steven Bergvine it was a Great, great goal. We saw Loris's long kick upfield, which was headed back, and Aurea poked it through to the Dutchman, who surged through the centre of the pitch, hits a shot past De Gea, who could only really help it in. But obviously, it was Mourinho to give him credit that was instructing Bergvine during the drinks break, maybe about some potential space. But Bergvine has really made a great impact since he's come to Spurs. What did you make of that finish, Abs? I mean, I thought it was good. Obviously, of course, there's there's the error from from the keeper, but I actually thought he did well the other night. I thought he, you know, used the space quite well. He made quite a few good runs. Um, and for someone that's coming in January and obviously been injured um, for you know a little while of that before we went into lockdown, it's rare you get someone who comes in and kind of hits the ground running straight away. 
um, and becomes people that uh, becomes kind of a bit of a fan favorite from the offset. I mean, obviously the goal against City did help, but I think that I think he's he's positive. He's something that's a good signing, good thing for us. It's another attacking option, and I think that with the defensive problems that we clearly have and the midfield issues that I think we also clearly have, I think that our best bet would be to utilize the many attacking options we do have. And hopefully we'll be able to do that as well come Wednesday, whether or not Lucas is back, or Tuesday, sorry, obviously whether or not Lucas is back, but obviously Delhi's back as well. So that's another one. Um, but I think he's always, he's been a positive signing since he came in. And I actually quite, I quite enjoy watching him play. I had never heard of him before, before he came over. I don't know if anyone else had, but I didn't really have anything to make of him. So, so far what I've seen, I've enjoyed. No, I think he has played very, very well since he's come in. You know, his goal ratio has, just to bring it round to you, and the way he did kind of drive past Fred and Maguire, I'd be interested to get your kind of thoughts on that. But, you know, you look at it, it's three Premier League goals now for Steven Bergvine against City, Wolves and United in just six starts. It's been quite an impact. As How did you look at that? Did you kind of say it was a great finish for Bergvine or would you be looking more at your Manchester United team to defend that better? And, of course, the goalkeeper, should he be keeping it out for you, as? Of course, I'm going to be looking at my own team and, and sort of criticising him. But it's it, no doubt that it was brilliant for Bergwijn to, to hold his balance and not be tempted to go down at any point as well and try and look for a set piece or, or a penalty. Um, good, industrious play from him. Technical. It, it's sort of the hallmarks of a, of a typical Mourinho player, typical Mourinho winger. You know, that kind of play he really enjoys. And, and it was poor, though. It was poor from Maguire. It was very, very poor from De Gea. Uh, and to be honest, I'm actually quite pleased Roy Keane come out and had that rant. If you haven't checked it out, check it out. It's it's world class. Um, but he's right. De Gea's should he should have done better. It's another mistake from him. You know, you look at someone like Romero, who's consistently been Argentina's number one, probably the best number two in the world, who who has been sat patiently on a bench for five years waiting for De Gea to make a mistake. And even though he's had the worst sort of year of his career. Has never had a chance. Obviously, a lot of people talking about Dean Henderson and the opportunities that you know he he he's going to be looking for next season. It was poor though. I expected more from Harry Maguire, a lot more. Um, a lot of people say that on the turn he is very very slow. And if you watch that sort of clipping sort of slow motion, mate, you know I can reverse vasectomies faster than that. He's very very slow. You know everything he does is very, very slow. Even, even sort of aerially, he's very poor. It's it's quite disappointing for me. Bailly's the best natural defender at that club. It's just a shame that you know he he loses his head a bit, if you like, and and ends up two footing people a lot. Um, but yeah, disappointing from Maguire. Disappointing from De Gea. Fabulous goal from from Bergwijn. Jay, just to bring it back round to you, you know, overall with Bergwijn, have you been quite impressed by? his impact so far at Tottenham. I mean, you've got to bear in mind also that second half, although he was tiring, yeah. he took a big whack off Maguire yeah. before being replaced by Jetson on 70 minutes, but he gets the high score, you know, on the basis that, you know, he's he now scored on occasions against both Manchester <laughs> clubs. Could you have asked anything more from him, Jay, in terms of his impact? I have been really impressed with him. You know, he has come and kind of hit the ground running and that's something Spurs have really missed from a lot of their new signings. You know, Giovanni Celso, of course, came in with an injury and Don Ballet kind of hasn't been able to hit the ground running the way we wanted to, the same as Ryan Sessegnon. So it is quite nice that, um, that Bergwijn's kind of come in and made that impact. You know, maybe at the moment he's only doing it in flashes, but there are certainly a lot of promising signs. For me, I know a lot, you know, I, I know a lot of people might disagree, but I think that uh, Steven Bergwijn will be perfect for Jose Mourinho's system. You know, the way that maybe we try and make those transitions into going into attacking areas, 
um, the way we want to counter, having that sort of pace. And as we saw, you know, yes, you know, it was maybe you could put it down to poor defending from Manchester United, but that goal showed what Bergvine's all about. He's brilliant at kind of moving the ball forwards, and and I think that that's going to be really helpful in terms of when we, you know, when we're going to try and be effective on the counter attack, having that sort of pace in our team. And I think that he'll be definitely be a positive. But yeah, really looking forward to seeing more of him. But I've been really impressed so far. Yeah. And Jay, on the back of obviously going in the lead, Spurs in kind of moments later, another great opportunity. It was a good save from David De Gea. If we score that goal for 2-0, you do feel again that changes the whole complexion of the game. And yes. it's such a yeah. shame we don't get that second goal because maybe, as you say, from a Mourinho perspective, he gets so much more credit in the bank. If we'd get that 2-0, we probably may see yeah. the game out. And obviously that game yeah. plan, to be fair to him, you know, I've got to say, at 1-0, if we go and score the second, that game plan's working to a T, as you explained in the start of the show. Yeah. If we just we just miss that creativity, and honestly, I know you know lots of people disagree. Of course, that's fine. I just think we missed that creative that creative spark from the start. I think that Lamella got in a lot of good positions and he was good. He just missed that killer pass, and there were times when Spurs were going forward, we were looking good. We just what Lamella, you know, those positions that he was in, he just wasn't able to find that pass through as well as we'd have hoped. You know, maybe it would have been a lot better if we'd have had like a Delhi. Um, being able to create a La Celso and Andomele on the pitch, and that's what we really missed. I think you know we could have, we could have gone. You know, as you said, we could have gone two 0 up early on, and then you know the way that we kind of played. You know, I'm sure we would have been able to see that out. We just were missing kind of that, as I said, that creative spark, and that that was a frustration for me. And you just hope that maybe with Delhi coming back, um, as I said, you know, I think it will be time before. I know I'm not expecting him to come in and hit the ground running straight away. And, be the brilliant player that we know he can be. I'm, I'm expecting it to take maybe a couple of games, but I think that having uh, Ellie coming back, I think the Celso, hopefully if he can recover from injury, will be another bonus. But as I said, I just think that Spurs maybe in that those kind of opening stages or that first half, we just needed that guy who could find that killer pass, and that that was something that we really missed uh, against United. It was. Abs, coming round to you, you know, we saw Spurs captain Hugo Lloris make a marvellous diving save to deny Anthony Martial. And then, as we always expected, Abs, when we saw that team lineup, I think we were all concerned that the centre-back pairing, that, I've got to be honest, as a pair, when you look overall, they actually play quite well together. But with Eric Dyer, as much as Dyer looks more accomplished as a centre-back than he does as a defensive midfielder, you always were concerned there may be a mistake in him. That was always the biggest concern. And we obviously saw that mistake. It was a silly way to shoot ourselves in the foot because Dyer was, as I said, having an excellent game up until he took the decision to reach in where we obviously saw United take full advantage to get that penalty what were your thoughts of it Abs for you could we have defended that better or did you always feel that in this Spurs team as we've said for the past 12-18 months there is always an individual error in this team in every game well, like you just said, at the minute, every single game, there seems to be some type of individual error. But he did have a good game, far better than I think anyone probably would have anticipated, which is actually, you know, quite a good positive sign. Um, I mean, he is naturally a centre-back. So the fact that he's been in midfield for all these years, I think people might have just forgotten that he is naturally in that position. Um, for the penalty, I think it's a hard one because... I mean, look, he, he bought the penalty. So it was it was so soft and it was so clearly soft. And you, you just knew that the second he gave even a minimal amount of contact, he was going to go down. So for me, I don't know. Look, I'm not a defender. I'm not a footballer. So maybe you have to be in it to actually be able to understand it better. But if you know how many penalties United have won this season, 
you know, just based on the fact that they go down at every opportunity and most of the time they get the pens. Why even, he, he was going nowhere. So don't even give him the opportunity to go down. But apart from that, I thought Dyer did have a good game. And I think that's something that's positive because Toby is obviously getting on. You know, Jan is, is, is finished, as we all know, um, his time at the club. So if Dyer can play in that role, I thought Sam's had a good game, like we said earlier. Um, I can only really think of one error he made in the first half. And I think he was pretty solid um, throughout, which is obviously not a word that we tend to have used in the past with Sanchez. But I thought his recoveries were good. Um, I just think it's like we keep saying, it's just the individual errors. There's just been so many of them. And if we can try and get that out of the game less, then I think we might be defensively <laughs> a, li- a little bit stronger because that seems to be what's letting us down. It's not even a collective thing. It is just usually the one or the or the two errors per game that are leading to these, this, this terrible thing that we're on. The fact that we haven't won in seven. I mean, that's pretty poor. Oh, it is. But, yeah, of course. Yeah. But look, maybe, maybe this new defensive partnership, maybe if we see it again against West Ham, maybe that'll be the partnership he's taking moving forward. Maybe not so much reliance on Toby. Um, who, who knows? Maybe that'll be the answer. Yeah, difficult to know. I mean, as just to bring you in, just on both the penalty incidents, what were your thoughts on them? Because the first one, again, I mean, I still think looking at it, whilst I agree it's a soft penalty, Dyer gives the referee a decision to make by just the, the case that it looks like he's going in to make contact. And of course, from there, you know, United make the most of it. And the second one, as I'm sure you're going to tell me, I think even you would say it's not a penalty. Just give us your thoughts as, as from a United fan on both of those penalty incidents. Uh, on the actual one that was given as a penalty, I think it's clumsy from Dyer. Um, yeah, as you said, he gives the referee sort of a decision to make and he, he, he just sort of puts it on a plate for the ref, but it was just clumsy from him. Otherwise, I thought him and Sanchez both had, had really good games, you know. Um, in terms of of the second one, I think the referee had to sort of like chuck it to VAR and effectively give it that opportunity just in case, sort of protect his own back. It was like referee's insurance, effectively. Um, so, but yeah, that, there was no way that was that was a penalty at all. Um, I'm just reading sort of Mourinho's comments uh, about them, sort of, you know, I think difficult to find the word about the penalty. I have to try and find a nice word. A strange penalty because the team was so compact. Well, maybe that was the problem, pal. You know, maybe, maybe that was the problem. You know, with United, um, I think if you look at the way Spurs set up for a lot of that time, you know, you guys were pinned in your own half for a long, long time. Out of, out of choice as um, well. I mean, it was volu- we were voluntarily camped. Let's be yeah, honest about it. We voluntarily yeah. camped back. There was a, as Jamie has said, and he's remained consistent, I agree with Jamie. This was part of the game plan that every Spurs player, you know, we did decide to have a defensive approach. It was cautious. Maybe we was so concerned about United attack, but there was definitely from a Spurs perspective, the case that we will try and sit on 1-0 and we will, you know, look to counter-attack if possible. But I mean, great question here, for example. This is from, let me find the question, Rob Beeson. Rob says here, how many saves did De Gea have to make since, you know, that goal? You know, okay, he made the save from Son. That's one. He says, we're not good enough to sit on leads for that amount of time and I have to agree with Rob was you surprised as I know you've already mentioned it that when Spurs did go one up and apart from the Son opportunity was you surprised by Jose's approach or you know having as we've discussed on this pod going through the Jose Mourinho cycle as you have as a Manchester United fan was that what you roughly expected did you expect to have more possession to take the game to Spurs and maybe get hit on a counter-attack yeah exactly that exactly that um but I'm not surprised though. I was I was never I'm, I'm never surprised when it comes to Mourinho. You expect him to do that? Take one nil league. I think the word you're looking for is shithousery. 
you know, um, <laughs> he, he wanted to shit out at a one nil win, mm. where you sit and defend and defend and defend and build it. And I wouldn't have been surprised to see, you know, if, if we got to sort of like eighty five minutes to bring on another defender and go sort of 5-4-1 if you like, you know, just pack it full of defenders. And what's that phrase that people used to, that song they used to sing about Man United? Park the bus. Park the bus, park the bus, Man United. That's what they used to sing about us. Mate, you might sit now, Jamie, and think, yeah, that's the idea, that's the method. But holy shit, give it about six months and you will be bored. I've got to disagree, I disagree. Honestly, you know, that, that was the frustration, you know. That game plan that we had, it was a clear game plan and it almost worked. Yep. It was that individual error that cost us. And that is the most frustrating thing. Yes, it was not the way we want it, to, we, how we want kind of as the final product. We don't want to be playing like that every week. But as I said, I really, I just do believe that as, as we get fitter, as, as we get more experienced in terms of playing that way, will become more effective. And I think that that was the issue is that it was just unfortunately a moment of, uh, fatigue from Eric Dyer, of course, as I said, it was an Eric Dyer who's played 70 minutes, who's come back after three months against a Paul Potter, who's come on fully fresh. Yes, it was frustrating, but I do believe that we'll become more effective. As, as you know, as I said, it's just about trusting the process. And if you don't want to trust the process, that's fine. But, you know, we're Spurs supporters. There's nothing, you know, Jose Mourinho is not going anywhere. So, you know, you either buy into it or you don't. And that's how I see it. I just, I, but, I believe that it will get better for Spurs. Talk about trusting the process, Joe. I'm going to bring Abby back in a second, but I want to ask you, Joe. This is from They Call Me Dizzy at Dale Meds, who says, Eric Dyer was a surprise inclusion for us all, given his performance against Manchester United. Was it tactical, or is it the start of a new partnership with Sanchez? What do you think on that one, Jay? You know, as everyone said, I think I was really impressed with Dyer. I thought he had a good game. I thought he was very good alongside um, Sanchez. And, of course, you know, maybe it's a nice compliment to have. Uh, where you've got someone that's a bit quicker alongside him in, in Davinson. Obviously, it'd be very interesting to see kind of when Japheth Tanganga comes back into contention, you know, will who will drop out? Because I'm sure, you know, um, you know, long term, we all see uh, Japheth Tanganga being the guy. But look, Jose Mourinho, of course, he tried to sign Eric Dyer uh, at Manchester United. He's a guy that obviously he wants to work with. But I think it was a good start. You know, he was, he was unfortunate. And as I said, I, don't, I think it was just unfortunately for him, a moment of fatigue. It was rash. And, you know, it's difficult to see, is he able to iron that out of his game? Maybe he will if he get, when, he, when, when he gets fitter. Um, but, yeah, it was, for, for me, I, I, it'll be interesting to kind of see how it works long term. But, you know, we don't know what's happening with Toby Alderweireld. You know, whether, you know, is, has he got another year or maybe at that top level? Did Jose Mourinho, has he seen something in training in Alderweireld where maybe he's kind of looking at him and, and kind of it's a similar situation to Tongan at the start of the season where, you know, obviously, Potts has seen him in Potts saw him in training, wasn't quite impressed, and then we're all surprised when he's dropped. But you know, maybe Jose Mourinho has seen something in Alderweireld where he's just missing kind of that extra bit. But I think another thing to kind of obviously counter that as well is um, it's all down to fitness. And you know, given Toby's age, you know, maybe that did play a factor, and maybe Eric Dyer was just at that stage where he was ready to go, um, and and maybe that was kind of the thinking, including Eric Dyer. Abs, one of the players that. I- I think before the COVID situation we found ourselves in, Hugo Lloris was, I think, taking a lot of criticism from Spurs fans. Some felt it may or should have been his final season at Tottenham. But to be fair, you know, you look at that performance from Lloris. He saved Sanchez's blushes early on by getting a foot to Rashford's low shot and then scrambled away the ball later in the half when it deflected off the Colombian. Then he pulled off, to be fair, a phenomenal save to deny Martial in scoring in that second half. 
bailing out Aurea, who had lost the ball. Tell us, Abs, for you, Hugo Lloris, do you think Spurs at the moment, when you look at this team, we've probably got bigger problems to try and solve in terms of the full-backs, in terms of maybe finding a defensive midfielder and also, again, someone to compete with Harry Kane. What do you think of Lloris long-term? Has he done enough to kind of reassure you that he's good enough for at least another season? Like you just said, with all the other places and positions that we need to work on, for me, goalkeeper is not urgent. Um, he did have a really good game, I felt, the other night. Thought it was actually um, one of the best games I've seen him had for absolutely ages and ages. I can't even think of a game where he's been like that for a very long time. Um, for me, he doesn't really. He, he's if it makes if it makes sense. He's never really been my club captain. If that if that makes sense, he doesn't. He's not someone that I've ever looked at and felt like such a connection with, like you might have with like Jan or Toby or Harry or someone like that. But he's obviously been at the club for quite a long time. Um, I think that we could definitely put up with him for another season. <laughs> he's definitely not the the top of the list to change. Um, and obviously, maybe look, maybe he's just discovered some form this season. Or like, I mean, look, it's the first game back. I think only time will tell. We've been out for 102 days, you know, before we played a game. So I think it's it's quite difficult to judge anyone on just off of that 90 minutes when no one is particularly match fit. But he did have a good game, and I don't think that is top of the list to replace um, and something that Jamie said earlier about obviously that we're going in a new direction you know you have to get on board with the plan you know obviously we all support the club we're obviously on board you have no choice but to back the manager at this point however you are completely entitled to, to disagree with the style of football that you're seeing at the club and I think as Aaron said at the minute sitting back and you know watching this defensive football and play this certain way this part of the bus style football might be acceptable but let's fast forward another six months and I don't necessarily know if if Jamie would feel as as comfortable with it as I think he feels now. But let's give Jose a summer. Let's give it a proper full season and if he can make it through a full season and then let's go from there. But I think that there will be a lot of fans that do not like the style of football that they're seeing at the minute and don't necessarily like the manager but, and are just dealing with the manager because, you know, he's coming. Yeah. Anyone who was going to come in after Poch is going to be, is, is not going to yeah. really be favourable that is the because of how lovely he was. 100%. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> However, if you if you tie into it, obviously, the ex-Chelsea connections, the United connections, plus t- team that with the style of football you're seeing, it doesn't really bode well for him. Plus the fact that he also comes out and he, t- he does have a tendency to slide the players off. It's not really something that goes well, like down well with the fans. So... If anything, he's on the back foot before he even starts because of those things. But no one's saying they're not backing the manager. It's just I don't like the style of football he's playing. And I'm not going to be happy with that style of football because I don't think it actually benefits Tottenham. But if in another few games you see that there is something picking up, which I don't I don't I can't see at the minute that there is a particular style other than this defensive style. I can't see what Jamie is seeing at this moment in time, for me personally, I might feel a bit differently towards him. But at the minute, I think more people would tend to feel that they're not enjoying what they've seen so far. Jay, can I ask you, if I ask you to fast forward six months and that this football is similar to yeah. what we're seeing now, if we are getting... Yeah, of course. If, no, if we are, no, what I'm going to yeah, ask you, Jay, is if we, if we are getting results, do you think that's enough to keep the fan base oh. satisfied? Or is that, is that a difficult question to kind of pose that, at the moment? Yeah, uh, that's... Look, the, the the other problem is as well. You know, we we've only been one what back for one game, so you know it's, it's it difficult to like, judge. I, of like course, look, look, and I and I know as well. You know, before the break, it wasn't great, but come on, look, we were missing so many key players, and obviously as a club, as just as a whole, we were in a really bad state. So I don't know. It's, I I'm looking forward to kind of the future. I'm not saying that that performance against Manchester United was fantastic. Of course, it wasn't. 
I saw signs that maybe that there that as as it goes on, as we become more, maybe we're going to become more effective in the way that we play. When players become bitter, when Harry Kane's had kind of a bit of time to get going again, you know, we always seen it with Harry Kane. He takes time to get going. In terms of your question um, about, you know, will resu just results be enough? I mean, that's really difficult. You know, you, you've seen someone like Jason, obviously one of our own, come in and say, you know, he wants to see us play attractive football. And of course, that's the Tottenham way. So I'm sure there'll be lots of fans that will kind of be disappointed if we're not playing attractive football. But at the same time, you know, there's also going to be that split. We're getting the results and we're, you know, maybe able to win a trophy like an FA Cup or a League Cup or whatever. Then maybe they will be happy. But... Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a difficult question. I think, you know, there would be a kind of a, a divide down the middle if that was the case. We're getting results, but football wasn't so good. But as I said, I just think that over time, you know, we're, we're judging what we're going off. We're going off one game here. Yeah. Um, as I said, I, you know, I totally acknowledge it was before the break. It was bad. But come on, like we were missing Harry Kane, you can Son. You know, it, it's, I, and, and he hadn't had very long to kind of get his message across. You know, we said over this break, he's had that chance to kind of get to know the players to get his message across and he's had one game. I saw signs in that game where we had a plan. We got a bit unlucky in terms of that, um, you know, not just missing that creative spark at the start, maybe where we could have scored more chances and put the game to bed earlier. And then, of course, in the latter stages, we're obviously we didn't really, as a, you know, whether, whether anyone disagrees, I just feel as though we didn't quite have the attacking options to come off the bench and maybe freshen the attack up. But when you've got those players coming back, you know, Lucas Moura, Deli Ali actual attacking players to maybe replace the likes of a Hurricane or a Shimin Son or whatever, you know, whoever needs replacing, then it become more effective. That's just the way I see it. Firstly, about sort of the fitness levels and whatnot. The one thing that Solskjaer noticed, and Solskjaer came out and publicly said when, um, when he took over from Mourinho, is that the players aren't fit enough. They are not fit enough. And that's why you saw, you know, the United players struggling at points to keep up. The players weren't being drilled hard enough. And I think a lot of um, what Spurs and United have missed is Rui Farrier, um, Mourinho's ex-assistant. Apparently, he was a bit of a general. He was the one who sort of, you know, put everyone through their paces. You know, I think everyone remembers when he went to Chelsea, Inter, Real Madrid. He takes this large sort of contingent of people with him. And with United, it started to disintegrate there because obviously the results weren't going on the pitch and people have their other ambitions in life. But I think the fitness thing... I think that is actual trait of, 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 of sort of Maria in recent years. And in regards to Ndombele, just thinking about it, I mean, think back to a year, two years ago, and this was Mourinho and Paul Pogba all over again. It's going to turn into Mourinho and Paul Pogba when Mourinho comes out and says that Pogba's a virus. You know, it, it will happen to Ndombele because when he don't fancy you, he doesn't fancy you. He'll try and bomb him out at any opportunity. The problem is now, can Spurs recoup whatever they've got whatever they've invested in him and, and the answer will be no no one will take him as he, as, as he is you know um, I don't know I, I, I like your optimism I like your enthusiasm but as a Manchester United fan having watched Mourinho even in that first season where we won what the, the Europa League the uh, and the um and the the Europa League the the, the League Cup the EFL yeah. Cup, Cup and the Charity Shield the geezer's going round going three three as if he's won a fucking treble mate Mate, mate, come on, come on. You know, we, we got dicked by, you know, Pep Guardiola and Derby. Yeah. We got beaten by Chelsea 4 0. I was there at the other day, got beat 4 0. There's something not 
Right. And then he goes and adds to it in 2017, brings in Lukaku, Lindelof and Matic. You know, every signing he's brought oh, really in. cheering us up here. Give us some oh, kind of hope. Mate. Give us some oh, kind of hope. That's Jamie's not, job. Based on what you just said about the Pogba thing, that's exactly how I see it. You know, you could already see him from around January, February time, getting on, on Don Bello's back. For me, I don't want to see that at my club. He's just come in. I don't want to see him, you know, digging anyone out. Is that the, the best anything. out of him, though, Abs? I, I, but that, no, I, I, don't, I don't feel that that type of management style yeah. is good for anyone. I don't know anyone. He did it to Luke Shaw. He absolutely wiped the floor with Luke Shaw, okay? Yeah. And regardless of whether, and, you know, he said he was coaching him during the game. I don't know what person would ever benefit from a coaching style like that. As a human being, I don't know what any any manager in any industry, if they're if they're you know digging you out in front of your your main boss, anyone that's going to take pride in that and like push on. Mm. I'm not saying you have to mollycoddle them. Yeah. I, I think they they get paid too much money Guys, to do that. He but he just, mm. he just come in. He just come in. And I don't think that a manager that has just come in and a signing that's been there less than six months. I don't think that you should be doing that. And that's just not going to endear or get anyone I, on your side. Yeah. I do agree with that, and I think that you know it is difficult. You know, you, you don't want to see players being thrown under the bus. But I think one way that Mourinho over his career has been able to get the best out players, he's got players that he that are willing to fight for him, that want to give everything. And I think that maybe he's seen from them Undon Ballet that he's not really coming and really applied himself properly and he's not shown that he's willing to go and give that fight. And, you know, Mourinho is the manager and he will want players there that are wanting to fight for him. And if Undon Ballet, you know, isn't willing to step up to that challenge where he's kind of challenging him, then, you know, as the manager, then it's never going to work. You know, there's got to be the player. You know, that's also got to be on the player to then go and respond to the This is, for me... As someone who, I mean, like, you know, obviously I've, I've been lucky to watch Sir Alex Ferguson. But for me, Brian Clough was the greatest manager other than Sir Alex Ferguson and, and Sir Matt Busby. Absolutely phenomenal. And you look at Mourinho and Clough, and Mourinho takes a lot of his ideologies from Clough, that sort of element of fierce, loyal respect. If you look into Brian Clough and what he did, he won the, 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 the Football League at Derby County. The board started going against him and he walked away. He walked away, went to Brighton, went to Leeds. It didn't work. He went to Nottingham Forest and he built something on that fierce loyalty again. Players having a blank contract. The geezer said to him, Sign the contract. If you don't like it, fuck off and play for Barnsley. What do I do? It's 1990. I can't exactly phone an agent. And he signed the contract. It was a display of loyalty. Now, you give Mourinho that display of loyalty, something which Paul Pogba refused to do. He refused to do it. You give him the loyalty, you know what? It's great. Look at Lukaku. He went out, scored 25, 26 goals. Ibrahimovic wanted to play for him. A certain breed of player wants to play for him. Harry Kane, clearly, like I say, number one, Kane doesn't look fit. That's not his fault. Obviously, he's come back from a, a long-term injury. He ruptured, as we know, ruptured ligaments. So he's not going to come back fully firing. We weren't expecting Harry Kane to score a hat-trick. But at the same time, Harry was deployed so, so deep, as we mentioned in the show, that at one point he was a CDM. Um... And again, you look at it and you think, is Harry happy enough to play this position? We've got a lot of questions, so I want to try and rattle through some of these questions. This question is from Yuki Yoshida. And as I ask you this question, is anyone else worried that with only one striker for the remainder of the season in such short time, it wouldn't be surprised that Harry Kane gets injured again before the end of the season? I mean, we've discussed a lot of this with you, as, but do you think Spurs' over-reliance on Harry Kane are not bringing in a suitable striker to not only offer him competition, but there to take the pressure off Kane. Is that really Spurs' ultimate failing of 
the previous transfer window to not have done that. And now they are in a situation where, again, Harry Kane is playing far too many minutes. For was it two years they relied on Llorente? 13-14 back injury, ankle injury, 16-17, 16-17, 17-18 hamstring, 17-18 knee, 17-18 ankle, 18-19 ankle, 18-90 ligament, 19-20 ill, 19-20 thigh muscle. You know, every year he's had one injury. Now, I agree, you can't bring someone and someone else in and expect them to sit on the bench and all that but I think it's got to a wider point of not just sitting on the bench but someone to challenge Harry Kane as well um someone someone who's gonna go and and push him because I think otherwise he'll get too comfortable and he'll become one of those players who ends up there and then you just think well what could have been fair play to Solskjaer proactive and when people took the piss we went and got Igalo to be fair to him they've extended that loan to January and I can see why they've done it it gives them another year to go and get a striker it yep. gives them time to go and work out their options. And it's like Urenta, again, if you didn't want him, I'm sure there are other options out there. But again, comes down to pounds again. Does Levy want to spend the money? Does he want to have someone just sat there who's uh, uh, an asset that's depreciating day by day? Probably not. You know, you can't rely on 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 the youngsters, especially, I don't think Mourinho is someone who will do that. You need someone else who's going to be able to, you know, to, to, to fill Kane's boots. And, I think, obviously, with a lot of teams now playing with that sort of one striker, it is difficult again. Question here from Spurs Dog one He says, how can Spurs get better service to Kane? Obviously, we're missing Deli Alley. We know that for Tottenham, the Deli Alley and Harry Kane partnership, they've got that understanding, that telepathology that we know. They, they work together so well. And obviously, Ali was a massive miss for Tottenham. We, we take that into consideration. But are you worried, Abs, at the moment with Kane? Or do you think it's far too early to be making judgments in terms of the rest of the season and Kane, what he will offer? It's way too early. Like we said, it's been one game. So we can't judge off that. He's not match fit by any stretch. So let, I'm not going to pass any judgment on Harry. By far, he's, for me, the best player in our club. And we should be doing everything we can to hold on to him. Not saying he's finished. I've seen so many ridiculous things on Twitter from Friday night. Oh, Harry's finished. Oh, he's that. It's just a load of bollocks, but it is what it is. But Delhi, for, for a start, as we said, he is vital um, to be behind Harry to get the service. It's also key that Kane actually plays up front um, and is in that position and not in, cent in, in central midfield. In midfield. Wherever, it, wherever <laughs> you know, Harry is best when he is up front. He's always been the type that drops a little bit in to come pick up the ball and go and, you know, makes the run forward. But he, he should never be that far back and that deep and I'm sure with Delhi coming back and obviously we assume Lucas will be fit and if the team is set up correctly to benefit Harry and not just keep doing the long ball we saw for so many times because I don't think that helps anyone um I think he'll be fine I'm, I've got no issue with with Harry or anything like that my my thing would be is if we will hold on to him come summer I said while Potra's there obviously if I can see the direction of the football club I will always stay you know if I can see the growth and the projects and blah, blah, blah. I don't see Harry at 26 years old. Maybe we get another season. I don't think... Um, if we manage summer, I don't necessarily know if he'll be there next. Can clubs um, afford him, though, Abs? Do you reckon clubs could afford oh, him in this situation? You still think? Well, I, th I think that might be the benefit for us at the minute, that we yeah. can hold on to him for another season for that. I think had Corona not have happened, I think he might have been going this summer. Um, yeah. But obviously, with, with the affordability at the minute, I think that we might keep him for another year. But he deserves to go somewhere and win everything because he's that good. Yeah. Um, but like Aaron said earlier, um, one of our biggest problems is the fact that we have never had a backup striker or something like that. We've always relied on Son or Lorente and things like that. And that's because when Harry has been out of the team, we have been lucky in the fact that they have been able to step up. That yeah. doesn't give you a reason to not go and buy a striker. There's plenty of strikers that 
can do a job that aren't going to cost you an arm and a leg and already kind of sit on the bench anyway. And yeah. obviously, I'm sure they're getting paid triple the amount that maybe Chelsea or somewhere like that to do so. But you cannot just always be reliant that Son will step up and, and get the goals because obviously we didn't have that luxury this time, obviously, because he got injured. You can't just rely on Harry Kane. You can't rely on Deli Ali. And you can't rely on Lucas because we all know that Lucas is best when he comes off the bench anyway. Yep. So if you've got a club and you call yourself a top four club, an established club, you know, you, you call yourself one of the big boys, it's ridiculous that you've only got one recognised striker. And letting Lorente go, regardless of what people thought about him, you know, he's he's a tree. He didn't do too bad a job last season. I think that we probably should have even ex- extended it and just kept him on for another season. Or if we were going to let him go, there's there's I just can't understand why we didn't go and get a replacement. Before... We look ahead to West Ham. Just want to mention a couple of other Spurs players. That, to be fair, they did have a decent impact on that game. And one of them, Jay, coming around to you, was Sissoko. And I thought he was excellent, especially in that second half. Another player, let's be honest, came back from injury. He really did hold down our midfield really well. And I don't think yeah. we would have got the point without him, to be honest with you, Joey. He made more successful tackles and interception than any other player on the pitch. How impressed was you, Jay, with his return to the Spurs team? As we've said many times on the show, you know, Jose Mourinho had a game plan of maybe where he wanted to be compact. He wanted maybe to kind of uh, be quite defensive. But I think Maurice Soko did a good job in that respect. I think maybe he didn't quite have the many touches as we would have hoped. Um, but he did a good job. You know, him and, a, him and Winks, I mean, that was obviously, as Aaron said, you know, it was a partnership that maybe we were kind of worried about. But yeah, I mean, it was, again, he was he's a player that has come back from injury as well. Just, for, you know, obviously the first game back. Um, so, yeah, it was really impressive that he kind of hit the ground running. I think he will be an important Spurs, uh, player for Spurs going forward. But I think it was a really impressive performance against United. It was kind of, you know, he really did his job very well. Um, defensively, he was very solid. And, you know, that's why we kind of managed to keep United at bay for so long. Just because we had to kind of Moussa Sissoko and other players just doing their job so well. And I think another one to mention before we look ahead to West Ham, Eric Lamella, to be fair, especially in that first half, you know, he did bring the real expected intensity and to try and keep hold of the ball for Spurs when they were losing in that first half. We didn't have the quality, as we mentioned, and Abs has mentioned it, and you, Aaron, as well, in terms of the final third, where he should have had more quality to be able to pick from. But he played a big part in frustrating United for long periods in that game. So in terms of Eric Lamella, a player that always polarises opinion amongst the Spurs fan base. I thought he played ever so well. Harry Winks, I think, again, if you speak to so many Tottenham fans, Winksy, again, at the moment, there's still an uncertainty in terms of will he be good enough to feature in a Jose Mourinho team when everybody is fit? You know, we know that he's been working a lot with Harry Winks and Oliver Skip in terms of their central defensive midfield attributes. He's been looking to try and build these guys up on the defensive side of the game, which clearly, as you said, Jay, it's a game plan Mourinho is going to continue to work with. And I think we have to, you know, as fans understand that as difficult as it is, and as you mentioned it, you know, we all want to see an attacking, vibrant Tottenham. That's what we've been known for as a team. But clearly Mourinho, after spending three months in lockdown, having over 100 days with his Spurs coaching staff, maybe this is a one-off game, or maybe we're going to have to expect to get used to what we have seen over the last couple of months. And that's why it's so intriguing to be talking about a big, big game for Tottenham West Ham United next. It's a game that Spurs simply have to win. Do not go anywhere. We're back after this very, very quick final break and taking you into the final break. We've got Dan from West Ham Fan TV. The Opposition View. Today, the world looks pretty different. But already new problems are being met with new thinking. Researchers are using supercomputers to help discover treatments. Retailers are turning to the cloud to restock shelves more quickly. Teachers are using technology to rethink the classroom. It's not all we can do, but it's a start. IBM. 
Let's put smart to work. See how we're helping at ibm.com slash COVID-19 slash UK. Today, the world looks pretty different. But already new problems are being met with new thinking. Researchers are using supercomputers to help discover treatments. Retailers are turning to the cloud to restock shelves more quickly. Teachers are using technology to rethink the classroom. It's not all we can do, but it's a start. IBM. Let's put smart to work. See how we're helping at ibm.com slash COVID-19 slash UK. Dan Lawless here, West Ham Fan TV, giving you my preview for the Tottenham versus West Ham match on Tuesday for last word on Spurs. So going into this game, I have to say it's probably the least confident I've ever been going into a derby against Tottenham, right? Usually, as you guys know, we turn up for this fixture. No matter what's happening in our season, whatever sort of form we've been on, I mean, it's a cliche that form goes out of the window in a derby, and it does, and, and that's usually the case. You know, we turn up and we've got a very good um, record against Tottenham. And this time around, the fact that there are going to be no fans in the stadium has me questioning over, will, will we still turn up? Will we still raise our energy levels, our effort levels? Or is it the fans that give the players, you know, and, and give the players that extra boost that helps them go and, you know, put that performance in? We'll see on Tuesday. We'll find out. I mean, we've got players in there who I feel know exactly what the derby means to fans. You know, you've got your Mark Nobles, your Rices, your Antonios. So hopefully they can, you know, instill that into the rest of the team. Um, as far as lineups goes, I fully expect um, Fabianski to start in goal. One of the best keepers in the league, definitely underrated. Uh, Creswell at left back. Um, then Ogbonna should be back for us in centre back, who I think he's been one of our players of the season, who we missed him, I think, massively against Wolves the other day. He should be coming back in. Uh, Issa Diop will be again in centre back, who. Your own manager, Jose Mourinho, called a monster and, you know, really praised him as a sign-in. Uh, he's still young. He's definitely got a lot to offer. He's, he's a big old unit. He's still, you know, got a few mistakes. He's still got a few, to, bit, a few bits of things to learn. But I think overall, good player. Uh, right back, it's looking like we'll probably still stick with uh, Jeremy Ngakia, even though it's looking like he could be on his way out. He's not signed a new deal when he could be going on a free. So... It's, it's a bizarre situation. I'm hoping the fact that he is playing means that, that he's close to a new deal. If not, it's just it's just a bizarre situation. But defensively, he had a good game overall. Um, and we did we, when, it's when we took him off, we conceded them two goals against uh, Wolves. So, you know, make of that what you will. In the middle, this is where me personally, it's a, it's a source of, you know, great dilemma. I really don't know what he's going to do and what he should do in this situation. Um, you've got Socek, who is a really good sign, and we've got January, bags of energy, effort, you know, through the window, runs, really is that, that sort of like box-to-box midfielder that we've been wanting. Um, and then we've got Declan Rice, who played as a centre-back, which is in natural position, done really well uh, against Wolves for most of the game. Now, I feel like we, we did miss him in the midfield. I think having him in there with Socek would be good, however... Mark Noble, who didn't have the best of games against Wolves, he's a player that usually turns up against Tottenham. 
So it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I just think for me, we need to just go with our best 11 overall. As much as I feel like we need Mark Noble in there, I think we need to go with our best 11. I think that's what he will, he will do. Um, and then we've got on the right wing, we've got Jared Bowen, one of our signings, signing from the championship in January. Looks a really good player. Really good signing, very positive. You know, made some great runs against Wolves. Um, just, just a lack of just a, a lack of cohesion with the other team, and that's a lot of it comes from the manager. But I think very positive. I think he's going to be a, a sort of danger player that you guys need to watch out for. Um, then we're going to have Pablo Fornells in the middle in that number ten role. I believe he's another player we signed. You know, in the summer, looks very good player. Uh, really was having a good run of form before the lockdown, and then that sort of scuppered it and he had a great chance he, to score against Wolves and he, he scuffed that so but so I, I, I rate for now and on the left wing I want to see Anderson and I do think this will happen and Felipe Anderson will be dropped because he had an awful game absolute passenger in that game um, and we'll bring Lanzini back in on the left who turns up at London derbies he's another player he scores goals he's got a very good goal scoring record in London derbies so have bring back Lanzini to start. He hasn't had the best of seasons, but I'd like to see Lanzini there. And then up front, a player you guys know all too well about, Mikhail Antonio, first guy to score at your new stadium. I think he'll be there uh, up front for us. Bags of energy, strength, pace, all of that. Um, so, yeah, and if I'm going to go for a score prediction, I will go for one all draw, my realistic prediction. So, Slightly optimistic as well. One will draw, although a win would be huge. So we'll see. Thanks for having me, and uh, let's see what happens Tuesday. The Opposition View. Today, the world looks pretty different. But already new problems are being met with new thinking. Researchers are using supercomputers to help discover treatments. Retailers are turning to the cloud to restock shelves more quickly. Teachers are using technology to rethink the classroom. It's not all we can do, but it's a start. IBM, let's put smart to work. See how we're helping at ibm.com slash COVID-19 slash UK. Today, the world looks pretty different. But already new problems are being met with new thinking. Researchers are using supercomputers to help discover treatments. Retailers are turning to the cloud to restock shelves more quickly. Teachers are using technology to rethink the classroom. It's not all we can do, but it's a start. IBM. Let's put smart to work. See how we're helping at ibm.com slash COVID-19 slash UK. Hello and welcome back to the final segment of The Last Word on Spurs. Glad to leave that United game behind now. And we can now focus on West Ham United and what is to come now. Abs, you mentioned it during the show. And, you know, for once, Spurs, we are going to have the fixture advantage when we play West Ham because, obviously, they've played a day later than us. They suffered a defeat to Wolves by two goals to nil. And if you've just heard the preview there from West Ham Fan TV's very own Dan, he says that he's absolutely terrified heading into this game against Tottenham because, obviously, West Ham are on an awful run of form. Maybe you would say Dr Tottenham, here they come. But, you know, we (laughs) emphasise the fact, as you said, Abs, that Spurs... If we were, and we don't want to be negative because we're trying to keep it as positive as we possibly can be in these difficult times, if we were to lose to West Ham, 
that would actually mirror the last eight games Spurs had in their sacking towards one day Ramos. So, just throwing it out there, it's not a nice stat to hear. How important is this abs for you in terms of you seeing Jose Munoz's template and maybe a change of style because of the team we're facing? Do you expect Tottenham, your Tottenham, to be a bit more attacking against West Ham United this coming week? I would really like to think so. I'm going to say that I feel like he's not going to be anywhere near as defensive as he was the other day. I'm going to be positive and think like that. Uh, maybe Jamie's rubbed off on me a bit. Um, West Ham are diabolical. They really are awful. However, they've always been awful. And we do struggle notoriously against West Ham. And I, I don't know why. I don't think any of us can ever work out why in recent years we really, we really have done. But... You would have to take into account the fact that if you're looking at the, at the difference of the squads, we do have far more quality than them, especially up front. So I would think that Jose would would not repeat some of the same mistakes I think maybe other managers or other, other people have made before with West Ham. There's, there's countless times we've lost and you can look back and, and see them all and see where we've gone wrong. Um, I think that I think he'll actually stick with the Dyer Sanchez partnership at the back. And obviously I think Delhi will come straight in. And last time that was um that was Marino's first game, if I'm if I can remember. Um and obviously it ended three two, but we played really well that game that game prior to the, the last 10-15 minutes, from what I can recall. Um so I'm hopeful that it will be an attacking game. I'm hopeful that we won't be so deep in our own halves. Because if I mean if we lose to West Ham, we've got a real big problem on our hands. And if we set up uh, you know, so defensively, what kind of message is that sending out to other teams that are going to play us in the next five, six weeks? It just is, is setting a preset that, you know, we're just going to invite you on, try and hit you on the counter. But, you know, we don't think that we're very good. If the more we set up with that defensive mindset. So being at home, take the game to them. I think that I, I would like to think that we'll come away with a win from that. But if we're not, then you've got to be asking serious questions about that team and, and about Jose. You just can't be winning that. That'll be seven on the, seven on the bounce. Well, Bar the draw. Seven without a win. <laughs> Thanks for emphasizing that. <laughs> Cheers. We, we've got I'm, it. I'm we, just, we, I'm we, trying. I know. I'm trying. I know. It's, it's tough. Like I say, we've been back a week. You think we've been back seven or eight weeks the way it's been going here, honestly. Jay, you've been emphasizing the point the Celso, Delhi, and Lucas all potentially yeah. to come in. Maybe yeah. Undumbele as well. And we've got to be honest about it. West Ham, as much as Dan there from West Ham Fan TV is telling us that he's not too sure where this West Ham team is heading. They're always up for the fight. They're always up for these derbies. And Spurs, we're going to have to match their yeah. intensity on yeah. that night. And that, you know, to be fair, without the urging of the crowd, you're going to wonder how Spurs are going to approach this yeah. game. Because, yeah. you know, West Ham, they were the first team to beat us at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Tell us, Jay, what do you see Jose Mourinho doing different between his United setup and this game against West Ham? What do you want to see different? on West Ham and why they have been so good against us. I think it's, you know, it's down to that fact, you know, their supporters are always up for it. It's, as we always joke about it, it's their number one game. It's their cup final and that's why they're always so up for it. And maybe it will be kind of interesting to see how kind of that differs when there are no fans in the stadium. I'm kind of wondering, maybe it might be an easier game for Spurs. Um, you know, this has to be a game where Spurs are more attacking, you know. Against Man United, I, I understand maybe we had to do more defending because they're a much better side. But against West Ham, I, I do accept there are probably, there are much less excuses to be less attacking. I, I do believe we'll be a lot more attacking. We'll see um, kind of more of that quality. You know, we saw flashes of Spurs going forward. And I think we'll see a lot more of it against West Ham. I really do feel quite confident we'll go and, you know, we will go and beat them. 
And as you said, you know, with those players, the likes of Ali coming back, hopefully Lucas, uh, Giovanni Lo Celso. I mean, we all want to see and Dombele involved as well. I mean, that would be really disappointing if he wasn't involved again. But when you've got, you know, four players that quality maybe coming in and being able to offer themselves to Jose Mourinho to come and do a job in, in whatever form, it does fill me with a lot more confidence. And as I said, you know, you've just got hope that it's going to be more effective. You know, they've just lost to Wolves. I didn't think they played particularly well and they're, they're a side Spurs certainly have to beat and uh, certainly have to be more attacking against. And uh, I'm confident that we will be. I'm glad you're confident because we need a bit of confidence on this pod. We, we have to try and keep spirits alive as much as we can. As just to bring it round to you, Mourinho seems to suggest after the game that he will have everybody available for Tuesday. That means there will be no excuses afterwards. Now, we're recording on a weekend where we've seen Arsenal lose again. We've seen Sheffield United get beat by Newcastle, maybe surprisingly for some. Wolves, obviously, as we mentioned, picked up that win against West Ham. When you're looking now at that top four, top five battle as, do you see any way in which Tottenham could still nab fifth spot off Manchester United? Or do you think there's just too much work now for Tottenham to do? Anything's possible. I mean, what there's sort of eight games to go now for, for most teams. I mean... Yeah, I don't see I don't see why not at all. Um, and what better way than to start sort of you know by by beating West Ham, who are they're so bad it's unreal. Um, yeah, I, I I don't see why not. Sheffield United drop points today. Wolves obviously are in in phenomenal form. You got Palace on your heels. I think that is going to be it. Yourselves, Palace, Sheffield United, and Wolves. I can't see Arsenal sort of offering much. Um, else and, and and that two point gap is is going to start to build up in my opinion. In regards to the the West Ham game, please beat them. Just do it. Just, just put them out of their misery. It, it, they need to go. They, they really, <laughs> really, really need to go. Um, it's such a, point, it's such a football pointless club. football club because they never end up doing anything. They come up and then they're going back down again after a couple of, sleep, a couple of years. I, I never really understand you the know, West Ham point. A lot of people turn around to me and go, oh, well, you know, you've got Millwall connections and, you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah, I do. But, you know, I kind of appreciate Millwall because they understand what they are. Millwall understand what they are, <laughs> that they play a certain brand of football, that they don't expect much. With West Ham, you know, they have ambitions of playing for the Champions League. And obviously, you know what, a lot of blame has been put on their, their owners about the stadium. But the fact of the matter is, as I said to every single West Ham fan, why didn't you fight? You had the opportunity. You had a year and a half, two years to actually fight. Yet you believed what they said and you took it hook, line and sinker. And, and, and it's just done you. And ever since then, they have been an absolute shambles and and I really hope they go down it, they, they'll go into full-blown you know sort of implode, implosion just it'll go completely if they do go down oh, let's hope so um, let's hope. you know because I think Watford will claw themselves out of it Brighton that was a massive win now and, and and to be honest if there's one club I want to stay up it'll be Villa because I just I like their ground so yeah it's a, you know, yeah, it's a lovely ground <laughs> yeah it's just a nice ground really you know but um yeah it, I mean if the bottom three went Norwich Bournemouth West Ham I I, I wouldn't be too disappointed, you know. Can I ask you that, as just to kind of round this up and the kind of summary? Please give us your prediction for Spurs against West Ham. Putting me on the uh, on I, the spot. I'm gonna go really... Spurs three, West Ham nil. So you you think Spurs will score three goals? Yeah. Three, three now, West Ham. Three. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have, have, won't, and we're gonna have a clean sheet as well. We're gonna have a clean sheet. It won't be a battering masterclass. Right. It'll be one of them ones, <laughs> three very well spaced out goals. Okay. You know. Fine. So, Aaron there with a 3-0 Tottenham win. And after all that about the Mourinho team, the Mourinho game player maybe not working, we may even get three goals and a clean sheet, which would be a remarkable turnaround for this Tottenham team. Abs, I want to get your prediction. Also, a question here from Johnny Ryan who says, can this group of Spurs players prove Roy Keane wrong and show the hunger, toughness and desire required 
He says to finish in the top four, but I don't think we're going to be anywhere near fourth. So I'm going to say top five. Can we abs in some way finish fifth and still make that Champions League spot if that ban is upheld for Man City? And also your prediction, please, ahead of this game. Um, do I think we can make it? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know. yes, yes. I mean, yes, it's not out of the realms of, you know, of anything to be able to make it. You know, stranger things have happened to us. Um, do I think based on the football we've seen this season, do we deserve to be in it? Probably not. Do I think that a season out of it would probably be good? Obviously not financially, but do I think that us focusing on maybe, you know, just one or two competitions would be beneficial? Yes, I do. But I think that we probably won't finish in the top four. Um, I think fifth is achievable, but I'm not convinced we're going to win all the remaining games to to get in and around it, if I'm honest. Um, but it, look, let's see where we end up. Um, I think that we will, I think we'll win. Don't think we'll keep a clean sheet. I actually think we might go one nil down first. So I'm going to go three one. And I think that the goals will be late. It's a prediction win. That's, that's what we wanted to hear. So definitely a prediction win. Um, obviously, I think that it will be interesting to see how he sets up with having everyone back. So um, I, I can see where there'll be goals. Um, but yeah. I hope, I think it'll be a win. I think it'll be 3-1. Well, that is the question I was going to ask Jay, because Jay, you've been emphasising the point that on this show, you know, Mourinho hasn't had the likes of Lo Celso, Deli and Lucas available to him. Question here from Joe Walker, who says, what is our best 11? Because he has absolutely no idea. If I was to put you on your spot and ask you now, the changes from what you're going to see between, obviously, the game against Manchester United to West Ham, who do you think is definitely going to come in and is going to provide that yeah. creativity, that goal in midfield that we seem to be craving out for against Manchester United to try and have a bit more of an expansive attack going against the West Ham side. Let's be honest about it. They are in free fall. So you do fear that if we can't be West Ham, that's a big, big worry mm. in terms of where we're going. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we, you know, if we don't go and beat West Ham, then I will maybe be a bit worried. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's difficult to kind of maybe predict our team. I mean, in terms of our best attack, I think, you know, maybe our best attack would be in a 4-3-3. I think having um, Bergwijn, Kane and Son up front and then having the Celso, um, Undombele and then maybe a holding midfielder, a, a Winks or a, or a Sissoko maybe in alongside them. That for me would be our best kind of uh, 11. But I think we'll see the likes of Ali and the Celso both come into the lineup. Um, but, you know, we, we've seen how crucial the uh, Celso has made himself. Um, and, and as I said, you know, we just really miss that kind of that real killer instinct in having that having that last pass, that being effective in the final third. Um, so I, th- I think that Lascelles will be a huge boost. I do think we'll 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 be we'll win convincingly. Uh, I'm going for a four 0 win for Spurs. Four 0 that's yes. what we need. I'm going to go for a Tottenham win as well. I'm going to say three one Tottenham. I just don't see the side keeping a clean sheet, but I do see a score and a couple of goals. And I am going to back Harry Kane to get back in amongst the goals. Harry needs it. I think we all need it to be fair. Listen, we've only been back for one game, but if you listen to this show, it must feel like we've been back half a season already. So that is what Spurs do to you. Jay, thank you for coming back on the show and defending Jose Mourinho, defending our manager, <laughs> as you had to try and do for the last yeah. hour and 15. And to be fair, it's not been easy, but you've yeah. done a great job at it. Thank you for so much. I don't know, it's difficult. I, I personally, I do see it. I think that Spurs will improve. As I said, I think we'll become more effective over time. Just got to give Jose a bit of time, trust in the process. Um, and yeah, just looking, really looking forward to that West Ham game. I think we'll see much more attractive attack in football. We'll have that kind of that license to go forward. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so a good show today. Yeah. Abs, thank you ever so much for coming back on. I think it's definitely Abs at the moment. I think it's a difficult period supporting Tottenham because there does seem at the moment that split before Pochettino came where 
you have to either side with the manager or you have to either side with the players or you're not too sure. The squad needs a rebuild. I mean, it's a, it's a factor of so many things that we know it's not all down to one manager, as we actually said off air. It's more of a, a collection of, you know, players that maybe some of them wanted to move on, didn't move on. We haven't moved them out quick enough. I mean, Abs, the most important thing is it's going to get better, isn't it? It has to. You'd hope so. And like, like we said off air, um, it is not just Jose's fault by any stretch. Um, we, we were in kind of this position at the beginning of the season. It was looking pretty bleak then. Um, and I, you'd, you'd hope that once he's had more time with the squad, he's had time to maybe dip into the transfer market if possible, then things would obviously start looking up. It can't stay the same way that it, that it is. It will either move forward or it will move backwards. And then there's a decision. But you know, there's definitely no just complete blame on Jose at all. Um, it's, it's a collection of things. And it also comes down to the board, which we've discussed multiple times on this show, how we all feel about Daniel Levy um, and about that board and Joe Lewis. So... It's, it's one of those things that at the minute, look, he's the guy in charge. You're going to back the guy in charge because you want the team to win regardless. It's definitely not a vendetta against Jose. It's just as fans, you want to see good football at, at your club. And we've been very lucky in the fact that we've had a quite, you know, had a, had a good amount of lovely football for a lot of, a lot of years, you know, and that's how what you want to be seeing. So I think when you don't see that and you set up in a way that you don't necessarily think that you should be set up in and you don't think that it actually benefits the team at all, that's when you start thinking, well, is this the right man for the job? But only time will tell on that. And hopefully he will be the right man for the job because there's nothing more than everyone wants than to win trophies and to you know finish in the top four and have Champions League football and have those amazing nights. So hopefully he will be the man for it. But at the moment, I'm just not completely um, 100% sure yeah. that he is. Well, it, but like we said, that's, that, that squad needs a lot of improvement. It does. I mean, like I say, if his CV is anything to go by, then he's the man to bring trophies to Tottenham. Aaron, mate, thank you ever so much for coming back on. As we have to ask you very quickly, you know, you've been back here in a football stadium over the weekend, mm. down the den with Millwall. Just very quickly, just give us a flavour of what it is like now as you know, a freelance broadcaster going into the stadiums. Tell us what that process was very, very quickly as we look to close the show. Bit strange, uh, but actually overall quite good. Very well done to Millwall. I, I said it on another pod yesterday. Well done to them for for making it very easy, very accessible. Everything was super organised, um, and this seems like sort of a viable way to do things going forward. So it's um, it was good. It was a very positive experience, although a bit strange. And let me tell you something: crowd noise is horrendous, mate. Pump pump through pump through speakers and in the positions you're in, it's really it's really not good. Um if I was a player I'd probably be very, very distracted by it. But um yeah, good. It's the loudest good. the Emirates has been in, in, in years to be honest with you, Atos. Tell me about it, pal. Tell me about it. I mean that you oh, yeah, just horrendous on a whole. But um yeah, no, a good experience. Looking forward to more of it and hopefully see Spurs win a cup, win the cup, win the cup. Yeah, exactly. We want to see something win a cup. Listen, let's hope it is Tottenham. As thank you very much for coming back on. Guys, thank you as always for joining us, for downloading us every week. Listen, it is a difficult period with Tottenham. It was never going to be easy, but we are here throughout the journey. Thank you to our wonderful panel for the show. We are back after West Ham. Please, God, we're talking about a win. Keep safe, keep well, and as always, come on, you Spurs! Today, the world looks pretty different. But already new problems are being met with new thinking. Researchers are using supercomputers to help discover treatments. Retailers are turning to the cloud to restock shelves more quickly. Teachers are using technology to rethink the classroom. It's not all we can do, but it's a start. IBM. Let's put smart to work. See how we're helping at ibm.com slash covid19 slash uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.